Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at AntiochChurch.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Antioch. So good to be together today, wherever you are. I'm glad you're tuning in. And today, as you know, is kind of a vision Sunday for us. And so we're going to be taking a deep dive into really what is the heart uh, of this church community called Antioch and what are we all about and uh, where have we been and where are we headed. So uh, before we do that, I've got an invitation for you. Um, And that is that tonight... November 22nd at 6.30 p.m., we're going to be hosting a digital family meeting over Zoom. And the idea is um, that that all those that are able to, who are part of this church family, would be able to spend a little bit of time together just kind of reconnecting and recalibrating. Uh, I know that this has been a really strange year for all of us, and every part of our lives has been marked by change and by unpredictability and confusion at times, uh, including the part of our lives called church. And so this has been uh, a season marked by a lot of change in Antioch. We've had uh, families that have left. We've had a lot of new families that have joined. We've had pastors and staff that have moved on. We've had new pastors and staff that we've brought on board. Um, And so we just simply wanted to pause in the midst um, of all that's going on in the world and all that's going on in our church and create some space to get together. And so myself, um, along with uh, our four other pastors, Kip, Amy, Linda, and Sean, um, are going to be hosting a family meeting tonight. And we want to invite you to come hear updates about our building, about our staff, financial updates, as well as uh, give you an opportunity to ask any questions that you may have of us um, about what Uh, what's going on in the life of our church. And so I really hope you can make it tonight on Zoom at 6.30. You can find the link for that in the e-news. And if you aren't subscribed to the e-news, this would be a good time to do it. Next, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what we have in store this coming year when it comes to Sundays. As you know, um, for the past five years or so, Antioch has to varying degrees participated in what's called the church calendar or the Christian year. We've joined with the historic global body of Christ, Christians all over the world, in measuring time according to the story of Jesus and the story of the people of God. And so uh, most people are familiar with some of the high points of the Christian year, namely Christmas and Easter, but Christmas and Easter find their place in a much larger uh, context. And so for the last six months or so, since the uh, beginning of summer, we've been called in what's, uh, we've been in what's called ordinary time, because the last six months have been super ordinary, right? Um, but as you can see, as we get to the end of November, uh, it's basically New Year's when it comes to the Christian calendar. And so we're preparing next Sunday uh, to dive into a new cycle of the church calendar, starting with the season of Advent. Uh, last year, if you were with us, our team put together this book, Enter the Story, which provided scripture readings and prayers uh, to 
guide you through the church year in your own kind of devotional time. And uh, part two of the reading plan will be available uh, to you this week. Not a whole new book, just the next part of the reading plan. Um, But this year, we are going to enter this story in a whole new way together as a church, new to us at least. And we're going to be building our Sunday gatherings around the lectionary. Now, if you don't know, the lectionary is a three-year cycle of scripture readings designed to keep the story of God and the word of God central to the worship of God. And so what this looks like practically is that each week as we gather digitally for the time being, instead of just one uh, scripture reading each week, we're going to have four a psalm, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a passage from the Gospels. We want to give more of our time together to the public reading of God's Word, to create space in our gatherings for God to speak to us by His Spirit through the Scriptures. And so each week there will be four uh, Scripture readings. And then instead of uh, me and the rest of the pastors crafting sermon series, or choosing a particular book of the Bible um, to journey through for a season, we're actually going to be preaching based on the readings of the lectionary. And uh, each week we will be coming to you, uh, journeying alongside you with the passage that uh, we, as as well as many other Christians around the world, will be engaging together. And so here's what's interesting about it. There are times, if I'm honest, as a pastor, where you're trying to figure out, like, what's the next series, what's a fresh take on something, Um, and that gets kind of exhausting because it's really old book, the Bible, and there's just uh, not so many new things to be said all the time. Or there's this kind of pressure to, like, keep up with everything that's happening happening in the world and like write a sermon series for every event in the news. And the thing that I love about this lectionary is that in a time like this, COVID and everything else, where there's so much confusion, so much uncertainty, so much unknown, um, we're going to attach ourselves to something that's rooted, that's grounded, that's historical, and that's global. And so we know for at least the next six months as we go from Advent uh, through Pentecost Sunday in May that we are going to be trusting that whatever uh, God's word is for us that day um, is going to be just the word that we need to hear from him. And so I am so excited. It's going to be challenging at times. There's going to be passages of scripture that if I'm honest, I would never choose to preach on. But that's good for me um, and that's good for you. That's good for all of us. But that starts next week, a journey through the lectionary, uh, at least for the next six months, and we'll kind of evaluate then. But I am so excited to do that together and uh, look forward to beginning a new church year next Sunday. Well, what I want to do for the rest of our time together this morning is take a dive into what you might call the biblical or theological vision behind Antioch. And about three years ago, uh, if you remember, we reoriented our entire vision and mission and philosophy of ministry around this phrase, the reconciliation of all things. And it's it's a phrase that comes directly from the scripture 
Uh, it's used several times, but kind of for us, the grounding passage is the one that Steve just read for us from Colossians chapter 1. And I want to focus in on just a few verses from that passage in Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so we've come back to this passage again and again over the last several years, and I want to just focus in on one aspect of it. There in verse 23, Paul uses the phrase, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. As followers of Jesus, that's a statement that we ought to pay really close attention to. The gospel, gospel is a word that means good news. It is really the story upon which our faith and our lives are built. And so Paul takes a moment to remind the church at Colossae the good news, the royal announcement about who Jesus is and what Jesus is up to in the world. And so the question we would do well to ask is when Paul says this is the gospel, what's he talking about? Well, clearly he's talking about the things that he has just said and specifically the way they could all be summed up in this phrase, reconciling to himself all things. What is the gospel? This is the gospel, the reconciliation of all things in Christ. And so over the years, we've wrestled with the idea that maybe the gospel of Jesus is actually way bigger and even better news than we ever realized. Because the phrase, all things, makes me think that it has more to do than with, with just me and God, but actually that the gospel of Jesus is about maybe the whole world, about this cosmic revolution to make all things new, including us. And so I've shown you before the chart uh, that's helpful for me in kind of putting some uh, quantitative value to this. Things that God is reconciling in Christ, 100%, all things. And so maybe uh, that will help you understand what we're talking about. Now, specifically this morning, When it comes um, to us wrestling with that vision, I want to take a moment to introduce to you a new shape. Uh, We know lots of different shapes, squares and circles and triangles and stars. Do you know what this shape is called? The overlap between, in a Venn diagram where the two circles overlap? It looks like a football, right? It's actually got a shape, and the, na- the name of it is Mandorla, Mandorla, which uh, is 
comes from the Latin for almond. And you can kind of see the almond shape. Now, here's what I love about the idea of the mandorla. It's the space that's created when two seemingly separate things come together. And so for thousands of years, actually, spiritual thinkers and writers have embraced this shape as being sacred, as representing the overlap or the place where heaven and earth meet, so to speak. And so what's interesting, if you Google Mandorla, you'll get a bunch of uh, images of this shape. If you Google Mandorla Jesus, you'll get hundreds and hundreds of images like these. And you start to recognize that throughout the history of the Christian church, our artists have given us this incredible gift of presenting Jesus as something that doesn't fit nicely into any of the categories of the world. And so if you think about the very person and nature of Christ, if you think about the foundational doctrines that we hold to as followers of Jesus, so many of them occur within that almond shape. The fact that Jesus is both human and divine. The fact that God is both three and one. The, the fact that the kingdom of God is already here and it's not yet. As Christians, we are invited to embrace life in the space between or in the sacred overlap. And it's hard to do at times. It's hard to find that tension, to find that nuance, to resist the cultural pull to the right or to the left, to the future or to the past. And to follow Jesus into that interesting third way. Now, the way of Jesus isn't some mushy middle. It's not centricism. It's not um, compromise, but it's something radically unique outside of any of the categories that the world has. As Antioch, one of the things, whether you're new to our church family or whether you've been here for a while and you're still trying to figure out what we're all about, the mandorla, I think, can be helpful for us. Because oftentimes, people are kind of confused about us as a church. They're confused because <clears throat> we don't always fit nicely into the box of the paradigm that they have for what a Christian church looks like. And it's because we live in the space between. Let me flesh it out for you in a different way. You've seen this before, but it's been a little while. <clears throat> if we were to talk about uh, Christian theology and the various expressions of the church that have arisen in the last couple thousand years, you could say that there on the left side of Christian theology is theological liberalism, and on the right side would be what we would call theological fundamentalism. 
And of course, these are a spectrum, and any time you're going to try to uh, put words to these, it's going to be oversimplified and overgeneralized, but I think it's still helpful in giving us a paradigm. And so when you talk about the gospel, what is the gospel? What is the good news? On the left side of the church, they would emphasize what we would call the gospel of Jesus. Uh, The gospel that Jesus himself preached, which could be summarized in the book of Mark chapter one, where it says, Jesus went proclaiming the good news of God that the time has come The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the gospel of Jesus, the gospel that he himself preached is that the kingdom of God is near. But then on the right side of the church, if you were to ask those leaning more fundamentalist, what is the gospel? They would tend to answer with the gospel about Jesus. The gospel that Paul proclaimed and some of the other apostles, which is really a gospel of grace, Ephesians 2, that it's by grace you've been saved, not by works so that anyone can boast, by grace through faith. And so on the left side, there's this gospel of Jesus that's a gospel of the kingdom. On the right side, there's a gospel about Jesus that's a gospel of grace. And you already start to understand why sometimes it feels like we're speaking a different language even within um, the same body of believers. And then we could go down when we talk about sin on the left, the focus is on social sin, systemic sin, generational sin. And on the right, the focus is on personal sin, individual sin. The mission of the church on the left is really about social justice, about announcing and embodying the kingdom of God in the world now. And the mission on the right is about evangelism, about declaring the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done to save us. The witness of the church on the left is about demonstration or good works, doing good. And the witness of the church on the right is about declaration, preaching the gospel, teaching the Bible, sharing the story. The paradigm of salvation in liberalism is really about freedom from suffering. And the paradigm of salvation in fundamentalism is about freedom from sin. When it comes to Jesus, what part of his work do we emphasize? Liberal Christians focus on the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the ethics of Jesus. And fundamentalist Christians emphasize the death of Christ, the cross of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. When it comes to the nature of Jesus, in liberalism, the emphasis is on his humanity, how he's like us, how he's among us, how he's one of us. And the emphasis of fundamentalism is on the deity of Christ, how he's above us, how he is to be worshipped and adored and Lord. The ministry priority in liberalism is meeting physical needs, caring for the poor, the sick, the hungry. And the ministry priority on the right is spiritual needs, tending to the needs of the soul, the eternal needs. You might say that the patron saint of the left would be Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the work and legacy that he leaves us of uh, proclaiming the justice 
of God upon our world here and now. And we might say that the patron saint on the right is Reverend Billy Graham, who proclaimed the gospel of Jesus to millions and millions of people, leading many to saving faith in Christ. The paradigm of holiness on the left is about doing good, and the paradigm of holiness on the right is about being good. And finally, the understanding or emphasis of the kingdom of God on the left, it's about the fact that, as Jesus said, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom is among us. And on the right, the emphasis is on those parts of the scripture that point us to the fact that the kingdom isn't yet here, that we're still waiting for the coming of, uh, of God in a whole new way. And so you start to understand that Christianity has been spread to the left and to the right. And so much of um, the struggle within the church is trying to figure out how do we get along or how do we cooperate and share life together, worship together, be in community together, live on mission together, when it seems like we're missing each other so often. So... For me, the Christianity that I was really formed in and grew up in really looks more like the right side of this chart. And it's not to say it was completely fundamentalist in the negative sense of that word, but the tradition of American evangelicalism has largely been shaped um, by this paradigm. And for many of us at Antioch, uh, I know that that's our story as well. And your experience at Antioch has been being introduced to some of this side of the chart. And at times that's confusing, because at times people feel like when we start talking about this stuff over here, they feel like we're abandoning this stuff over here. And I understand the concern. I understand the confusion. But here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to embrace a vision of the whole gospel. That we don't want to be liberal Christians or fundamentalist Christians. We want to be authentic Christians that live in the mandorla of the gospel. And so here's what we've said. We want to be a church that's about the gospel of Jesus and the gospel about Jesus. We want to focus on personal sin and social sin. We want to do the work of social justice and evangelism. We want to be about demonstration, good works, and declaration, good words. We care about freedom from sin and freedom from suffering. We emphasize the life and death of Christ, the deity and the humanity of Christ. We want to meet physical and spiritual needs. We want to follow in the footsteps of both Dr. King and Reverend Graham. We want to be known for doing good and being good, and we want to seek a kingdom that is already here and not yet. That's what we have always been about as a church. We haven't always had the language to articulate it this way. But what I'm presenting here this morning isn't anything new, if you've been paying attention. 
And it might help you understand a little bit about the journey we've been on the last six months and why at times it feels like I don't know what category to put this church in because this church apparently wants to proclaim that black lives matter and that unborn lives matter. Apparently this church cares about a biblical view of marriage and sexuality and a biblical view of immigration. Apparently this church holds to the historical authority of the scriptures and this church finds itself deeply involved in the world in which we live. And so for me personally, um, I can't tell you how many conversations I have on a regular basis and I'm happy to do it. I enjoy the opportunity to help uh, people who are either part of Antioch or considering being part of Antioch understand this vision that we want to be a church that's chasing after and trusting in the whole gospel. So one way to think about it <clears throat> is that if you only have one eye open, you can still see. In fact, you can still navigate life pretty well and get along pretty well. But what is it that you lose? You lose the perception of depth. We want to have both eyes open to Christ and to his kingdom. We don't want to settle for a truncated gospel. We don't want to be boxed in to liberalism or fundamentalism. We want to embrace the depth and the beauty and the bigness and the goodness of this whole gospel. Or another way of putting it is we want to be ambidextrous as the church. We want to be those that do good works and speak good words that are known for telling the story and living the story. We care about this world now deeply and we acknowledge the eternal nature of human souls. We do it all. And at times, that's probably jolting or disorienting. There will be seasons in the life of our church where we're really focused on things like our own personal formation in the gospel or disciplines of scripture and prayer or spiritual community. And then there'll be times or seasons in the life of our church where we're focused on justice and the the mission and invitation of the church to get our hands and feet dirty in the mess of the world. And so we do both. Both hands extended to the world, both eyes open to the cross. And so Antioch, I want to invite you on this journey into the sacred overlap. I can't tell you how excited I am to be part of a community of people that has the courage and the integrity and the commitment to truth and love and justice that's willing to follow Jesus into difficult and unknown places. In the end, our hope is not in a geometric shape. It's not in a chart. It's not in a philosophy of ministry or a mission statement or a vision statement. 
Our hope is in Jesus himself. He is the king who is making all things new. And because of his life and his death, because he's human and he's God, he and he alone is the only one who is able to save us and to save the world. And so if nothing else, hear this, Antioch, we are a church that's devoted to Jesus. And I am so glad that you've chosen to join us for this journey. It's going to be hard at times. It's going to be messy at times. It's going to be confusing at times. But we trust that he's using all of this to shape us into people who look more like him. And so my invitation to you would be to ask the Holy Spirit to open both your eyes that you might behold the glory of Christ and the fullness of his gospel, that he's reconciling all things to himself, including you, including me. I love you guys. Hope to see you tonight at the Forum 630. Peace.